I'm looking out at many more faces, and that is a good thing. And uh, I am going to be sharing my time this morning with a guy called Francis Chan. Yeah, he is a pastor in San Francisco. Um, and just as we were, so I'm gonna share a little bit and then we'll watch a video from him and take some time to reflect and look at a few different things. And um, just as we, a few of us were taking some time to pray into the start of the new year, to pray into January, God, what are you saying for us? What are you saying for us as a community? Where are you wanting us to go? What would you like us to take time on? How do you want us to position our hearts? And hopefully we're all, we've all been posturing ourselves in that place, regardless of whether it is a new year or just that's our lifestyle. And so as we were praying for the year, wow, that's loud. As we're praying for the year, um, one of the things that we really felt drawn to was a scripture in James that talks about, you know, when we read the word, if we're, not, if we're just readers of the word and not doers of the word, it's like we look at ourselves in the mirror and then we turn away and we forget what we look like. Do you guys know that scripture in James 1? And um, so this month, something that we felt to focus on, even though we're in the second week of January, kind of technically the third, is what do we look like? As individuals, but also as a community of believers that are coming together to actually, okay, God, what have you called us to individually and corporately? And so something that we are going to talk about is do we look like Jesus? Are we glorifying him by how we live? Are we living from the place of our core beliefs? Um, And so because we will, in our actions, we will live from our core beliefs. We may not, we may think, oh, well, this is what we believe, but then our actions are misaligned to actually the truth of what we believe. And so we're gonna look a little bit at that, not just for us as individuals, but even us as a community of believers as YWAM. And this isn't just about us saying, oh, well, YWAM, you know, these are our core beliefs, so, but this is actually something that God commands us to do through scripture, regardless of whether we are YWAM or not. But we thought this was a good place to start. Um, And so if you wanna go to the next slide, thank you. Who are we and how are we living out our beliefs? Um, And so it's important for us to really look at that. Do you guys know how many core beliefs there are? I'm gonna... There's 18 values. Six core beliefs, right. Good job. Um, And, you know, when you think about it, I had to, like most of us will know, oh, I think I know the first three, but what are the other three? And if you had to say, could I list out the 18 values? I know I can't, to be perfectly honest. I could get to probably about 17 or 16 of them if I had to really put it down. But, um, so we wanted to start the year by looking at these because our 18 foundational values stem from those core beliefs. So these beliefs are centered in truth and scripture for believers everywhere, regardless of whether we're about YOM or not. But it is always good to to go back to this. And these beliefs were lived out by Jesus. 
And so I'll just read. It's up there. Oh, good. I wasn't sure whether it would be readable, so I'm really glad. Okay, Youth with a Mission affirms the Bible as inspired and authoritative Word of God and the absolute reference point for every aspect of life and ministry based upon God's Word, who He is, and His initiative of salvation through the atoning work of Jesus, His death, burial, resurrection, the following responses are strongly emphasised by Wowen. So we always go back to Scripture. That is our foundation point. That should be each of our foundation points. That's why it's so important for us to know the truth and know Scripture, and not just to know it, but to actually choose to actively live it out, right? It's not just about information. It's about a lifestyle. Lifestyle of intimacy with Jesus, a lifestyle of obedience to Jesus because He is worthy. We sang that song today, it's all for His glory. And it's so important that we actually align ourselves to the truth that it is about Him, it is about His glory as we continue to live out what He's called us to as individuals, but also in this corporate community of believers. And so really, we could take probably a Monday morning to look at each of the topics. You could, in DTS, they're like a week long, right? But we're just gonna just, I'm just gonna briefly go through it because we wanna get into some more application time as well and reflection time and listen to some Francis. So, um, the first one is worship. We are called to praise and worship God alone. And you'll see that there's scripture references. If you go on to YWAM.org, there are scripture references for everything so you can see how it is founded in truth. But you guys will agree with me that we are called to worship God alone. We are called to have no other idols before Him. We are called to, that it is for His glory. This was a lifestyle that Jesus lived out in everything He did. It was for the glory of the Father. Said my food and drink is to do the will of the Lord. It was all for the God's glory, right? To worship God alone. And this lifestyle goes beyond just a corporate expression of what we do on a Monday or on a Friday or in open worships or in Thursdays mornings, the Thursday lunchtimes. It goes, or even just being scheduled in our DTS or in our schools. This is about living it as a lifestyle and doing it, yes, there is a corporate expression, but there is also an individual expression. I am not a singer. I am not a musician, but I still choose to worship the Lord individually, whether that be through word, whether that be through living a lifestyle of obedience. It is all about worshiping God and God alone. Our obedience brings glory to God the Father. That's what Jesus says in John 14 and 15. He said his greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 38, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest of all the commandments, is to worship God alone. And I do think that there are times in our lives where we do become misaligned to that truth because we're here, right? And so we're like, well, obviously I'm here, I'm doing the things, I'm getting up to facilitate worship or intercession on a Monday or on a Friday or during the week. Um, you know, everything I do, I work in the cafe or I'm helping in, a, in the office or 
serving in the kitchen, whatever it is. Obviously, I'm worshiping God, but I think sometimes when it becomes about, well, this is the time that I have to work and this is the time that I have, that's my time. That's where sometimes we can get a little bit misaligned in the truth of we worship God alone. Whether it's our time or what we're doing in our nine to five, everything should be considered, okay, God, it's for your glory. And that seems really like, uh, that's, that's a harsh one because you know what? I like to come home and have my routines in the evening after the end of day, you know? But what is God asking me to do and how He wants me to position myself, not just for this week or January, but for the year and for from this point onwards? How can I live a lifestyle of worship and obedience to Him? So that's the first one. Because this is what Jesus did and we're called to live like Jesus. Yeah? Okay. So the next one is holiness. We are called to lead, la- to lead holy and righteous lives that exemplify the nature and character of God. God says, be holy as I'm holy. He calls us to be set apart, to be, of, to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay. So what does that look like for each of us? Because this is how Jesus lived. He lived his lifestyle as holy and he calls us to do the same. And so how can we be doing that as individuals, but also as corporately? What makes us different? What makes, for example, the cafe ministry different? In that where people come, they are they can experience something that is set apart, that is different from other places where they can ask, okay, what is different about you guys? Or we actually go, hey, we're different because of Jesus. And so it's about creating that environment that is where we are in the world, but not of the world. That we are different to where things are going in the world. That it's not that we live out um, even just the fruit of the Spirit. Today, I think there is a lot of anger in the world, and rage and frustration. So what makes us different? It's how we choose to live in the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't think we're called, we are called to cultivate that in our lives, but we don't do it through our own strength. We do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and through His grace. It's living in that constant awareness. And not only that, Jesus lived this out and He called His disciples to live this out as a lifestyle of holiness, not to make us better than the world, not to judge the world, but rather to live out the fruit of the Spirit and love the world. So in John 15, it talks about being the vine and bearing much fruit, and it goes on to talk about love and obedience. And so it's also about that place of actually obeying what God calls us to do. The next one is to witness. Okay? We are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who do not know them. How many of you knew that when you were joining a missions organization, you were going to be evangelizing? Right. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. For some of you who were here, some of you were not. A few months ago, we did a um, giftings test. Do you guys remember that? We were talking about just the different giftings and things, and you had prophecy and teacher and uh, pastor and apostle and evangelist. Okay, 
I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I looked at everybody's results. Because, yeah. Just looking at, okay, where are we, where can we grow more, right, as a community? Do you want to know who had the lowest score in our community for evangelism? It was me. (laughs) But witness is such an important part of what God calls us to do. So that doesn't mean I go, well, I don't have it, so I shouldn't be doing it. It means I go, well, okay. That means I need to be more actively engaged in how to do this and actually try to implement spaces in my week and time where I'm actively pursuing, okay, God, who do you want me to share the gospel with? Otherwise, I won't because it doesn't come naturally to me, but it is still a commandment that Jesus gave us. So I'm sharing this not because I'm like, well, I'm just not called to evangelize. We are all called to evangelize. We are all called to share the gospel. That is the commandment that Jesus gave us. He said, go out into the world and preach the gospel. That was one of the last things he said to his disciples. So it carried, like it was, you know, one of the last times you're going to meet with your 12, you're going to say the things that need to be said. It was a commandment that he gave us to go and evangelize. Whether we are a part of YWAM or whether we move on from YWAM, it is not about YWAM. It's about the sake of the gospel for the kingdom. Um, and so as a mission, this is not just as a mission, but as a body, we are called to share the gospel. Okay, can you go on to the next slide, please? The next one is prayer. We are called to engage in intercessory prayer for the people and causes on God's heart, including standing against the, e- the enemy, standing against evil in every form. So we are called to intercede. We are called to pray. This is not just, a, oh, this is a good idea. There are certain people who are gifted with intercession. We are all called to intercede, just like we are all called to evangelize. We are all called to worship, Yeah. So we are all called to holiness. This is something that we are all called to, to cry out to God on behalf of things. We often see in Scripture how Jesus would draw aside and spend time alone with the Father. We see in John 17 how He interceded for His disciples and believers everywhere. This is something that Jesus incorporated into His life, and therefore so should we. Even if you look in Acts, in Acts 2, it talks about how the disciples were devoted to prayer. And so this is something that we can and should be doing as a community of believers. And yes, we take time out on a Friday to do this. And on DTS, you'll take another hour to two hours a week, right? In your schedules to do it. Why? Because we value it and it is important and we believe in it. But this goes beyond us just doing corporate prayer times. This is also about personal, private intercession and prayer times. Um, Right now, in the last two years, as a missions organization, we have been stuck in Australia, okay? We've been doing lots of outreaches into country towns, which have been amazing, but also seeing some things that have been happening in other nations where maybe we had a heart to go to those nations and haven't been able to go. But pray, and sometimes we're like, well, I guess I'll just pray. And we downplay it, but it is so powerful because even though we cannot go, God can still use every prayer prayed in accordance to his will. 
And so it's important that we align ourselves to that. It's not a lesser thing. We are called to fellowship. We are called to commit to the church in both its local nurturing expression and its mobile multiplying, multiplying expression. The church is his body and we are his body and we are called to be a part and fellowship within those places. And sometimes we can look at the church and think, oh, it is, we're better. That is comparison and I don't believe that's the heart of God. And only each of us would know really, oh, well, we do it differently in YWAM. Only of us would know really what is in our hearts in God. So my encouragement to you guys is to not, to really celebrate the expression of the local church and be engaged in fellowship with them. It is so important to be getting outside input as well as within our community input, but also be able to give out in, outside, in the outside expression, not just within our community and service. And then so that leads me to our next one. Services, how are we called to contribute towards God's kingdom purposes in every sphere of life? As believers, we can influence all spheres of society through understanding and having a heart to intercede wherever God calls us, to serve, sorry, wherever God calls us. Uh, some of us are called to be in Wawam, some of us are called to train up people in Wawam, some of us are called to train up people who are in YWAM to go out into different spheres. Wherever you are, whatever space you're in, whatever, right now you're all here, right? But wherever God leads you, the, in whatever you're doing, serve. Serve in obedience to what He's called you to do. You know, when I came back from my DTS, um, I ended up in a job I really didn't enjoy. Some of you may have heard this story. On my DTS, I um, ended up, I met somebody who was a dental nurse and I thought to myself, why would somebody choose to do that job? I just don't get it. And then six months later, that's what I was doing. Right, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. God, of all the jobs in the world, this was the thing that I thought would be the least enjoyable in my life. Sorry to anybody who loves dental nursing, you know, we need it, we do. But for me, that was like, I just can't even believe it. I've just finished YWAM, the plan was to stay and go into ministry and you told me to get a job at an orthodontic practice where I hand tools to the dentist and make mouth molds. And if anybody knows me, I'm not like, I don't really enjoy mouth germs. Germs in general, any of that stuff. And so this is where I was working. But, you know, God calls us to serve in every sphere, anywhere He, you know, anywhere He draws us. And so with that, I had my boss was a, a Christian. And so we would be sitting with our masks on our faces, and he would go, So, Michelle, you're a missionary. Tell me about God while somebody's lying with their mouth open so they can't say anything, you know? And so he used it as this great tool to actually spread the gospel. That was his whole job was, Michelle, tell me, did you see any miracles while you were in Madagascar? And you know, what is God doing in your life? And so there are always opportunities wherever we are, whether we have to wear masks, whether people can't speak back to us because their mouths are wide open, whatever it is, 
there is always opportunities to serve and actually serve in every sphere of influence. And Mark 10 says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave and everyone of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and therefore wherever we are in life, remember to live a lifestyle of servant-heartedness. Many years ago, Darlene had this um, analogy called a belief tree. And many of you have heard about it, yeah? And so if you can, and it was explaining how our beliefs actually were root, how our foundational values stemmed from our roots. If you wanna just go to the foundational values, I have them up there, there's 18 of them. And if you just even look at any one of those foundational values, these are things that Jesus lived out in his life. They're rooted in scripture. This is specifically what God has called us to value as a missions organization. But they first come from that place of being rooted in the beliefs that are commands that God gave us is for every believer, not just YWAM. And so um, if you go into the next one, which is that picture, um, roots are our beliefs. They sustain us. The deeper they go, the stronger the tree can withstand the wind and the storms that come and the seasons that change. No matter if it's winter or spring or autumn, a tree with strong roots can withstand the storms. And so it's important that we're grounded in truth and that our beliefs go deep down into who God is, okay? And then from our root systems come our values, and that's the trunk. Our values are drawn from what we truly believe. They're rooted in Scripture, and we believe that some of them are specific to who God has called us to be as a missions organization. And then your trunk leads into your branches, and those, that's the way that we think. It's how we come to our decisions. And not just organizationally, but also individually. And then the fruit is on the branches, and that represents the actions that we end up doing and what we do, how we talk things out. For example, if our belief is to worship God alone, then that stems into our foundational value number four, which is to practice worship and intercessory prayer, right? So we make decisions and are intentional about setting aside corporate times to worship and intercede and to pray. And then we come on a Monday and on a Friday and on sometimes on a Thursday and sometimes more times during the week to actually activate those things. Now, we can recognize where our belief system is misaligned when we are annoyed that we are coming to do this. And let's be honest, some of us do have those I wish I wasn't here right now moments. Like, you know, but it's, we get to worship God in that. Okay, why am I feeling this way? And yeah, sometimes we're like, I'm tired. I haven't slept. But if my belief system is aligned in the truth that God is worthy to be worshiped and worthy alone, then when I come, I can go, you know what? Regardless of how I feel, I can still choose to worship. 
So it's not ignoring sometimes the way it's feel, it's, it's surrendering our feelings. But if I come and I go, well, I have to be here, so I'm gonna be here, and I don't really care, and I choose not to participate and activate, then I can go back and go, well, are my belief systems misaligned? Is, do I truly believe what I'm saying I believe? Am I rooted in that truth to worship God and God alone? So then the question is, what do we look like? Not, it's not just enough to hear and to listen, but to walk in obedience. James 1, verse 22 to 25, if you can go to that. Um, it says, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For you listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So the question is, are we holding the truth up as a mirror for change and then walking in obedience? And so we're going to take some time to listen to Francis Chan's video. Um, It's about 12 minutes long, and then we'll take a short time to do some reflection. Yeah? Great. So James starts his letter saying, I know you've been scattered all of these places. I know life is difficult, but persevere under it. And then he says, look, there's gonna be temptations coming at you from all angles, resist those temptations. And a lot of times we we think of the Christian life of, oh, I gotta get through this, or I've gotta resist this. But in scripture, it talks about action and actually being a doer of the word, because you know it's really a theme that runs throughout the scripture that when you're pursuing the things of God, when you're truly following the spirit into action, it makes resisting temptation and and bearing up under the the difficulties and the trials so much easier. If we're busy about the mission of God, it's, it's a lot easier to forget about our temptations when we're focused on the mission itself. And as he gets into these, these, these next few verses, personally, I'm not sure there's a more needed passage in the church today. He says in verse 19, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He says, okay, everyone's got to, first off, be quick to listen. Be a listener. And he says, and be slow to actually open your mouth. Okay, this is a much needed message because right now, man, everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to tweet. Everyone wants to write something profound on Facebook. Everyone wants to comment after every article on the internet and and have their voice be heard. They want to say something. And your scripture says, hey, everyone should be quick to listen, but very slow to speak, slow to anger. Don't get riled up so easy. 
again, it just feels like so many people are on edge right now, which I get it. The world is so unstable and there's so many stresses and it's just all these desires that, that, that we're not getting and, and this fear and it just makes you want to explode. And we hear of people just, just crossing over, just teetering and then just absolutely losing it. And James says, slow down, take things in, don't express yourself so quickly because the anger of man doesn't accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. But in the very next phrase, what he says is what you need to do is to receive with meekness the implanted word. Why don't we just listen to the word of God, listen to what it says, and let it soak in and implant itself in you. And then he goes on and makes it even clearer, and he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This is never used, okay? It goes from hearing to doing. And he says, if you're just a hearer, he says, then you're deceiving yourself. Okay, it's this idea of those who may think that they're godly or think that they're religious because they know this book as far as they can quote verses. They, they've been in so many Bible studies. And, and yet he says, well, but what have you actually done? Because you could actually be deceiving yourself. This is a huge, huge theme in the book of James. You'll see it all throughout the book. It's about let's stop talking. Let's, let's hear the word of God, let it soak in, and then let's act upon it. You know, the Bible talks about Satan as the great deceiver, how all lies come from him. And here he's saying, you can deceive yourself. It's where I honestly believe Satan is thrilled when, when believers pack out churches to hear the word of God, and then they walk away and do nothing and yet feel like they accomplished something. They're deceiving them. They're doing Satan's job for him. And he says, that's why you need to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And, and, and he goes on he, and he gives this illustration. He goes, if you're gonna be a hearer of the word, and not do anything, he goes, it's like a guy who looks into a mirror and then just totally forgot what he looked like. He totally forgot what he even looked at. It's like, what's the point? And that's so often happening in the church where we're hearing the word of God and because we're not doing it, he goes, that's just as foolish as looking in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. It's like, what was the point? What was the point in looking in the mirror? The whole point of looking in the mirror is because you want to see your reflection and, and you know, maybe whatever you need to do, you know, maybe I missed a spot shaving or whatever it is. But if I'm not going to remember what I look like, there was no point whatsoever. It is in the same way. If you're going to a Bible study, you're not actually going to do something about it. If you're going to sit in a church service and there's no action or doing or deeds afterwards, he goes, why do you even do that? It's, it's worthless. But he says, if you're a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He says, but the one who actually acts upon it, that's the one that's going to be blessed. It's this idea that as we act upon the word of God, that's when we're gonna experience the blessings of God. And I, I can just speak from firsthand experience, man, there've been times in my life when I would read something in the word and I would act upon it and it would scare me. I would even struggle with it. Like, 
Oh man, it really seems like this is what God's calling me to do, but I really don't want to. Like in my flesh, I'm like, gosh, this is gonna be hard. This is gonna involve sacrifice. But when I do it, I can say those are some of the most blessed times in my life where I go, okay, I get it. Why did I even hesitate? That's his point. It's when you do it that you're blessed. Yes, it's a blessing to read his word. Yes, it's a blessing to hear his word. But he goes, you're gonna be blessed when you do his word. And again, this is something the church needs so badly because we can be so deceived. We can hear, 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 know so much up here about the word, but if we don't act upon it, I, it it's kind of like uh, I was reading this article about the fattest people on earth. Like literally, there were some that were over a thousand pounds. Okay, and it got to a point where they couldn't even get off of a couch and they can't even go or get out of bed. Someone else has to bring the food to them and feed them. And so they just lay there and just move their mouth. And I thought, man, that's so much like the church where there are people that are just like, feed me, feed me more of God's word. And it's, it's almost like, can you even get up and exercise anymore? Can, you've, you've been studying this book for so long and you've, you've gotten this habit of hearing without actually acting upon it. It's like eating without actually exercising that it's almost like you've atrophied and all you know how to do anymore is just soak it in and take more and say, someone else feed me now. And James is just trying to prevent the church from becoming like that. And then in verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He says, you wanna know pure religion? Not that fake stuff that, that, you know, where you in your head think you're so, you wanna know what's pure and undefiled in the sight of God, the Father? You know, you know what He wants, the Creator? He would love it if we would go and care for the widows in their distress. If we would care for the widows and the orphans in their affliction to visit them. He would love it if we would actually consider, you know what, there are people right now in Africa who are just skin and bones, just waiting to die. die. They're gonna die this week, starve to death. And he says, well, maybe, you know, true religion is not talking so much, but maybe controlling your own spending so you can give more to them. You know, maybe it's caring for that orphan or that widow, you know, that single mom who's out there looking for clean water as she's holding her kid in so many places around the world, just trying to find clean water so that her kid will survive another day. Maybe it's figuring out how to dig a well for them. He says, and it's and and, and maybe it's it's uh, all these all these kids that are being trafficked right now that are going through these horrors of being raped day after day. Maybe it's going and finding them, caring for the widows. Maybe it's even right here in our country where there's over half a million orphans, half a million kids in the foster system that no one wants. That may not fit your criteria. Well, I'd like a two-year-old that was raised in this color. You know, I want this nationality. I, I want, you know what? Maybe you just grab a kid 
and care for them and love them and be a father to the fatherless. God says, yeah, I would love that. I mean, it's kind of sick that we've got about a million churches in our country and then half a million foster kids. That means if even one person, you know, out of every two churches would take in one of these kids, we take care of the problem. He goes, you know, that's true religion to visit them in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The world is gonna bombard you with these messages of, oh, you deserve it, you owe it to yourself. God would be okay if you did this. It's, it, you know what, just look out for you. Man, that's worldly thinking. The world's gonna bombard you with different sin issues and morality issues. And the Bible says, keep yourself unstained from that. Don't budge. You know what God says. It doesn't matter if the world gets this crooked. It doesn't mean it's okay to be here. You gotta stay with God's word. He says, that's true religion. Don't get influenced by that world around you. He's talking to these people who are scattered everywhere. He says, look, hold on, resist the temptations around. Look, you may be in a strange place right now. We don't belong here. Just keep yourself unstained from this world. Stay on this mission. Don't start talking and getting angry with one or don't start bickering. Just go do something. Look, just hear the word. I don't need to say anymore. Let it soak in and then go do something. Um, so, Really, what he's saying about what he's really saying is, let's not just hear the word, but let's actually go out and do it. So, when we look at the core beliefs of, you know, YWAM, those six that we're looking about, that God commands us as all believers to do, that Jesus lived in a lifestyle of. Okay, what is he asking us individually to take a hold of this year? What is he asking us individually? Okay, God, what are you telling me to be obedient towards? And then do it. So often we hear these things in scriptures or uh, we'll hear amazing teachings, right? And we'll be like, that was incredible. What a great revelation. And then we do nothing with it. And then the next time we hear it, we're like, oh yeah, this person needs to hear it. But we've never actually activated what God has called us to do and walk in obedience. And so let's be doers of the word. Let's use the word and hold as a mirror and go, okay, God, where can we actively grow in this? How can I actively grow in this? What are you asking me to do in this season? And then actually do it, yeah? So I have some printouts. Uh, they're the core beliefs. And you guys, if the 18 values, you know, if you go on wawim.org, you can find them there. But I thought we'd just start with this one first. And if you can go to the reflection questions and ask yourself, is this something I'm actively doing in my personal life? We don't have a lot of time. So um, I just, let's do it personally before we do it corporately. And what is God asking me therefore to do? So not just thinking about it, okay, but actually asking God, okay, how am I going to incorporate this? What is God asking you to do in your own life to uh, walk this out and be a doer of the word, not just a hearer? So I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of time. And then my encouragement is, because we don't have a lot of time, um, since it's already quarter past 10, I'm gonna ask you guys to find somebody 
and say, this is what God asked me to do. Would you, you know, so this is, this is my plan. This is my goal. This is my plan. This is how I'm going to do this. So that it actually is actively a step and you're verbalizing it with someone, anyone, and then they can help you to say, hey, how's that going? Are you doing what you said you were going to do? Does that make sense? So I'm just gonna pray for us. And then we'll take maybe just a few minutes. And even if you haven't finished, uh, my encouragement to you is, is that you take some time even during the week to reflect on these and say, okay, God, what are you asking me to do? Yeah, God, I pray that we would all just be aware of those areas that you're asking us to step out into, whether it be witness or worship or um, holiness. Any of these things, God, that you're asking us to step out into and go, okay, God, how can I appropriate this in my life? And what are you asking me to do in this season? Would you show us, God, we recognise we cannot do this just in our own strength, but we want to do it by your grace, by your Spirit, in Jesus' Name. Amen. I'll let you guys know when it's time to transition. If you guys just remember to find somebody to share it with, because sometimes that helps us in the activation step to actually do it. And um, yeah, that's all we have for the sharing this morning.